Well, as we uh, look at that Exodus 32 chapter, in your bulletin there's a title there. It says, What Can Prayer Do? Dealing with Moses. And uh, all of us constantly and consistently, we face change, don't we? And our world has changed so much in the last century. There have been drastic changes that have taken place in the decades of every generation. And at times, it seems like these changes are just too much to handle. There's too many things that are changing too fast, too much, and too often. And we know that there's definitely a lot to pray about. So we gather around God's Word today, and we find the constant that we need in our lives. And that is that God does not change. Writer to the Hebrews says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And in the midst of change, we know that God remains the same. He does that in our ever-changing society and, and lives that we are facing here. We know that's true that God's word does not change. And because God's word does not change, his promises do not change. Listen to the words of God through a prophet Balaam as God speaks. And he says, tell Balak this. God is not human, that he should lie. Not a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Well, we know that God speaks and acts. He promises and he does fulfill those promises. Let's consider the setting that we have in our text from Exodus. Moses is up on the mountain Sinai with the Lord, and God is giving Moses the commands, the commandments specifically, that he wants his people to live by. And God even writes those commandments on those tablets of stone so that it would be something permanent for them. And Moses, he's been up on that mountain for 40 days So over a month he's up there, and you know that a lot can change in 40 days, right? Well, God is the one who is about to tell Moses about the changes that are taking place at the bottom of the mountain with the people of Israel. And those were the opening verses that we had read. And in verse 7, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people who you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. Now, notice the subtle word changes here that reveal the Lord's anger. The Lord calls the nation of Israel your people, who you brought up out of Egypt. Speaking to Moses, the disobedience and sin of Israel, it has separated them from the love of God. And the Lord, he wants nothing to do with these worshipers of false gods. The Lord then calls them Moses' people the ones Moses delivered. Well, the Lord now explains to Moses the reason for his anger. And he says, They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. The Lord in his mercy and grace and love, he does not change. The people of God had now changed. They changed their love for God to a golden calf. And Aaron, Moses' brother, who was left in charge, he gathers the gold, and it was the gold that the people had brought up out of Egypt. And it was melted down and fashioned into that golden calf. And the calf bull idol, that was a symbol that was well known because that's what the Egyptians had 
as one of their idols that the generations of Israelites, when they were slaves, they saw that. So it wasn't out of place for them to say, shape it like a calf. But things were worse than what Moses thought. Listen to the Lord's description. He says, they've bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Not only did they make this idol, but God's people, God's chosen people, they're the ones who are now bowing down to that golden calf to worship it. And they're offering sacrifices and offerings to a lifeless man-made statue. Even worse, the people, they gave credit to this idol for delivering them out of the hands of the Egyptians. And there's only one conclusion to this disobedience. God says, I have seen these people, and they're a stiff-necked people. Israel no longer wanted to be committed to the Lord. Their stiff necks would shake off that bond which united them with the true God. And idol worship instead is what Israel wanted. So what does God say? He says, Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. And then I will make you into a great nation. God's anger burns against sin. And he would now destroy this nation rather than watch it to continually disobey him. After all, the Lord can make another new great nation out of Moses if need be. But the very beginning of time, from that time to the time of Moses and even to our time today, the sinfulness of mankind has not changed. The second generation of mankind's history, Cain kills his brother Abel. Sin has led to murder already. Mankind continued in that great wickedness. And at the time of Noah, God sent a worldwide flood that destroyed all the people living at that time except for a family, Noah, his wife, their sons, and their wives. Eight people were spared. In Genesis 6, it said that the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart, of man's heart, it was only evil all the time. And last week, except for Lot's wife, Lot's family is spared from the destruction that took place in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sadly, nothing has changed concerning sin and its grip, its grasp on mankind. And as long as we live and breathe and we live in this world and this life, we're not immune to the corruption of sin. And make no mistake about it, our God is a just God. In that justice, he does not because he cannot allow the guilty to go unpunished. At the end of John chapter 3, John writes these words, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Faith, we know, comes by grace. And God's wrath, it comes by and because of man's rejection. That's a very bad choice. Those who want to disown God here, well, they will ultimately and finally find themselves being disowned by the Heavenly Father before the angels in heaven. Thankfully, God's promises do not change. True, God's anger does burn against sin, but also is true, 
that God's love, it's so comforting to know that it provides forgiveness. Remember that in our text, Moses and the Lord, they're talking on the mountain. And the Lord told Moses to leave so that God could let his anger burn as he destroyed this ungrateful nation. And you can imagine the shock and disgrace and even disgust that Moses had as the Lord told him about how God's own chosen people had rejected him. They had broken that first commandment even before Moses had come down from the mountain with those Ten Commandments. But notice also the choices that God gives to Moses. Moses could leave and Israel would be destroyed. Moses could leave and Israel would be destroyed and then the Lord would make Moses a great nation. But those are really bad choices. Moses is also given another choice. Moses could come to the rescue of the people of God. And Moses doesn't waste too much time here concerning Israel's idolatry. In verse 11, it says, Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. No, Lord, why should your anger burn against your people, who you brought up out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Moses does the right thing as he intercedes for the people of Israel. And did you notice the change of words that Moses now uses here? Moses reminds the Lord, even though God doesn't need any reminding, right? Well, he says that these are your people, God. These are the ones who you brought up out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. Yes, the Israelites, no matter how disobedient they were, they are still God's people. And they're still saved by God's power. That's what happened. And as if that weren't enough, Moses has plenty more to say to the Lord. Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Moses pleads to the Lord that the nations would not laugh at God. The nations, they would know and accuse God of being evil if he did that. And the nations, they would accuse God of being unfair unjust and even unkind. After all, what kind of God would save a nation from Pharaoh only to destroy them? Moses was appealing for the mercy of the Lord for them. And he even had more to say. Moses was now going to appeal to the faithfulness of God because we know God is always faithful. And so he says, remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, who formerly was known as Jacob, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants, God had said, as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. The Lord had made promises to his people. The Lord promised to bless the descendants of Abraham and make them into a great nation. And he repeats this promise through the generations to Isaac, to Jacob, and as far as what Jacob's name became, Israel. If the Lord's anger is going to burn against them and destroy them, well, then his promise would be a failure. God wouldn't be who he is. In our own Lord's words concerning the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
He said they were to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And that can only happen if they were not destroyed. They can only have an eternal inheritance if they were not destroyed. And these are the facts that Moses lays out before the Lord. After these very persuasive words, Moses now makes his request for God's people. He says, turn from your fierce anger, Lord. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Moses wants the Lord to remember and to reconsider. Moses also expects God's people to repent of what they had done and to remain as God's people. And so the Lord listens and he answers. It says, Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Does this mean that God changed his mind? But notice the word relent. It's not the word repent. God does not need to repent even in his anger. It's justified. He's not sinning in anger. The word relent, the dictionary term, has a couple meanings. To soften in feeling, temper, and determination. To become more mild, compassionate, or forgiving. And secondly, to become less severe or to slacken. The Lord did not provide disaster to destroy all the people. God's righteous wrath, his anger, it does burn against sin. And God's great mercy and that undeserved love that we call grace, it provides forgiveness. And as a result, later in this chapter, 3,000 people did die. They were the ones who did not come to the side of Moses when he tried to rally them. Only the Levites did. And so God had them go and kill some of the people of Israel. It wasn't the whole nation. And after that, God sent a plague among all the people who had worshipped that golden calf. So things did happen, but it wasn't destroying a nation as God had originally intended of that magnitude. Prayer can change things. We know that God does not change, but prayer can change us and the things that happen to us. It's important to remember that God's promises do not change. And since God's promises and his word, they don't change, neither does he. Instead, man and our promises, we often change those, don't we? The world often makes the choices for evil. And our Lord would rather provide forgiveness for his people than destruction. Well, many times the Lord relents in sending destruction as his people repent. The prophet Jeremiah, he helps us understand this account of Moses concerning God's great and gracious love that he has for us. God had told Jeremiah in chapter 26, verse 3, about you know, speaking to all the people of the towns of Judah who have come to worship in the house of the Lord. And God says, perhaps they will listen, and each will turn from his evil way. And then I will relent. There's that word again. And I won't bring on them the disaster I was planning because of the evil they had done. Who knows how many times the Lord has spared us from times when we really deserved disaster because of perhaps a, even a continued disobedience and our sins. Well, we know by grace, the Lord, he provides forgiveness. 
And that's how awesome our God is. We don't deserve forgiveness. We can't earn it. We can't even buy it. In fact, there are times when we may live our lives where we think, you know, oh, God doesn't have any impact on our lives at all. In spite of all this, our loving Lord, he provides forgiveness because of his love for his creation. The psalmist says in Psalm 103, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger against us forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, and he doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. The psalmist talks about a concept that may be very unfamiliar to a lot of people. Our human nature, we want to see everyone get what's coming to them, right? Yeah, we find a certain pleasure in seeing someone else get what he or she deserves. And our world teaches that there's nothing better than getting even and making someone else pay. But our God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He doesn't repay us of our iniquities. That's our sinful nature, our bent, how we lean toward that. What a great comfort it is that in an ever-changing world, God does not change. It's important for us to remember that we're freely forgiven by that grace of God. Well, not really freely. That forgiveness cost our Heavenly Father something very dear, his one and only Son. And that's the love that provides forgiveness. Jesus is God's free, forgiving love for us. So we can celebrate his unchanging promise. Paul said to Titus, Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Our lives have changed forever. We were lost, but now we're saved forever. Why do we love God? Well, John gives us that answer in his letter. He says, We love because God first loved us. And as a result, because of that love of God, we can love our neighbors as ourselves. We're the ones who have God's unchanging promise that really moves us to be eager to do what is good. Well, in the midst of change, we know God doesn't. And the prophet Joshua, he lived in a changing world. He was the one who saw that God's going to change the leaders from Moses to Joshua. Moses isn't going to take those people into the promised land. God's people, they're going to change. They're going to be wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And then finally Joshua is going to lead them to Canaan, that promised land. That's just a few of the drastic and dramatic changes that Joshua saw. And centuries later, it was King Solomon who had only one conclusion. And in 1 Kings 8, 56, he says, Praise be to the Lord, who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises that he gave through his servant, Moses. Moses had a big impact throughout all the centuries. That prayer that Moses had to God had an impact. And no matter the changes that are in our lives, whether they're big or even the small ones too, we can agree with Solomon and we could say praise be 
to the Lord our God. In his name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.